0: But if you close you are- Hello everyone and thank you for tuning in. You are listening to This Week Again and I am your host, Suzanne Posel. We're going to start off this show with a look at how some Republicans celebrated their Christmas. Go to a welfare check on Andrew Tate see how the GOP's newly elected Alternative Facts spokesperson is doing, and follow all of that up with an update on Indictment Watch, Scooby-Coo edition. Let's begin, shall we? Did you know that on Christmas Eve, Texas governor and the second most desperate Republican to exclusively use real humans in his political shenanigans, Mr. Greg Abbott, starred as the titular character in a racist retelling of Dr. Seuss' classic, The Grinch Who Stole Christmas. Roll tape. And those dangers below freezing temperatures were what migrants from Texas faced when they arrived on Christmas Eve at the home of Vice President Kamala Harris in Washington, D.C., once again arranged by Texas Governor Greg Abbott.
1: 140 of them, to be exact. The migrants were bused from Texas to outside the Vice President's home, and some of them were just wearing T-shirts despite the frigid temperatures. Most folks are coming with what they can carry, so people are arriving without adequate clothing. Um, For the cold weather, some of the migrants were seen standing outside
0: shivering with blankets. No one was there to greet the asylum seekers as they arrived. You know, Greg Abbott has been credibly accused of many things, but originality? No, that ain't one of them. If you recall, in September of 2022, Greg pulled this exact same stunt with migrants seeking legal asylum. At least back then, the weather hadn't gone full day after tomorrow in the D.C. area. But telling the people that you're trafficking across multiple state lines where they happen to be going so they can dress accordingly doesn't happen to be high on Abbott's list. But that hasn't stopped Abbott and his Florida man sidekick, Ron, the next DeSantis from becoming co-founders of a xenophobic bus tour that specializes in human trafficking. These entrepreneurs' backstory goes a little something like this. Back in September of 2022, Abbott trafficked 8,700 migrants who were seeking legal asylum, by the way, traveling from Texas right to VP Kamala Harris's house in Washington, D.C. And then the very next month, Ronald, the cosplaying Donald DeSantis, trafficked about 50 migrants seeking legal asylum from Florida to Martha's Vineyard. Oh, and by the way, they happen to originate from San Antonio, Texas. And now the GNR busing venture that has struck again This time, of course, being a sequel to their maiden voyage, trafficking 150 people who were dressed for 85 degree weather because that's where they came from and were not expecting a once in a century blizzard as their destination. But this isn't just about the worst customer service ever, but still not as bad as Comcast I'm sure some of you would agree, because there appears to be a trend happening in Republican presidential hopefuls. And folks, this is even more disturbing and dangerous than that Tide Pod challenge. It's called How Cruel Can You Be as a Republican Governor to Migrants Who Are Seeking Legal Asylum? So far, the players are Arizona former Governor Doug Ducey, who erected a shipping container border wall with barbed wire fencing at the top. Of course, we have Greg Abbott, Texas governor, who has been militarizing Border Patrol agents while also putting barbed wire fence along transporting areas where migrants are likely to cross. Oh, and of course, Ron DeSantis, because Even though Florida is a peninsula with a border of uh, Georgia, Alabama, and a little bit of Louisiana, being over 1,300 miles away from the U.S.-Mexico border doesn't seem to matter to him. And folks, the name of this game is Cruelty to Migrants, and the winner, the winner gets a presidential nomination at the 2024 Republican National Convention. Oh, and... While we're talking about shitty things people do on Christmas, (laughs) did you happen to hear about this one?
1: Investigators are trying to figure out who targeted power systems in Washington State.
0: Four power substations in Washington State vandalized,
1: including one found set ablaze.
0: One of the four Washington substations targeted was set on fire. This all happened in near Tacoma, just south of Seattle. An estimated 17,000 customers left in the dark there. In
1: recent weeks, federal officials have issued warnings that the U.S. power grid needs better security to prevent domestic terrorism.
0: That's right, folks. Terrorism has a new face, and it's probably wearing a red baseball cap. Gun enthusiasts, who clearly don't have a shooting range to go to or have been asked to leave the one that they last went to, decided to attack the U.S. electrical grid with their pew We reported previously on this happening out east, specifically in the heart of banjo country commonly known as North Carolina, but... It seems that the poorly educated have decided to venture out west and bring their unique brand of high school dropout justice to a part of the country where cow tipping isn't a sport. While the rest of the country was experiencing power outages due to the totally not brought on by man-made climate change blizzard that happened to sweep through the continental United States, more than 17,000 Washingtonians had Y'all-Qaeda to thank for losing power during a record-breaking frigid temperature and snowfall season. So, I don't know. Not for nothing, folks, but next time Republican Jesus followers decide to make a statement during the holiday season, how about they show some actual Christmas spirit by paying their electric bill instead of making the rest of us go without power just because they have to. (sighs) And now for something completely different, because 2022's Christmas holiday wasn't just about xenophobia and impotent rage. No, this Christmas was the most fuck-aroundest and find-outest one for a very special boy and thanks to elon musk we all got to witness the magical event unfold on social media roll tape after getting his
1: twitter account reinstated by elon musk following a five-year ban for misogynistic tweets andrew tate uh tried to take a shot at greta thunberg
0: Andrew Tate would add Greta Thunberg saying, hello, I have 33 cars. My
1: Bugatti has a W16 8.0 quad turbo. My two Ferrari 812 have 6.5 liters V12s.
0: This is just a start. Please provide your email address so I can send a complete list of my car collection and the respective enormous emissions.
1: And she had to come back. Yes, please do enlighten me. Email me at small d energy, you guys can fill in the blank, at getalife.com.
0: <laughs> oh, okay. It's bad enough that a 36 year old attention starved man who shaves his head totally because he's not going bald, reinstated onto Twitter after a five year ban because of his compulsion to, you know, tweet grotesquely misogynistic mouth vomit on a regular basis and. Now, (laughs) the very first, or maybe one of the very first things that incel Andrew decides to do is pick a fight with a 19-year-old woman who just so happens to not want to have to battle a -a once-in-a-century storm every time it rains for the rest of her life. Can you blame her? So you'd think that Greta's epic burn would be the end of it and everyone could just get back to work, but nah. Angry Andy decided to do what any incel poster child would when their butt hurts. He decided to produce, write, and star in his very own incriminating evidence video that he absolutely did post to Twitter. And the rest is karma. Controversial influencer Andrew Tate and his brother Tristan are arrested in
1: Romania as part of a human trafficking probe. Is facing charges this morning for
0: human trafficking, rape and organized crime. Andrew Tate was among four suspects arrested last night in Romania. According to a translated statement from prosecutors, uh, six women have been identified who were allegedly exploited by the group, which it's claimed was created with the purpose of uh, recruiting, housing, and exploiting these women to create pornographic content for specialized paid. And that arrest was brought to you by the letter A, because Andrew did this to himself. How, you might ask? Well, in Angry Andy's home video, he posted to Twitter himself... He thought it would be a really sick burn to get back at Greta for having delivery pizzas brought on camera and then telling the audience, hey, I'm not going to recycle these. And while this stunt surely inspired some chuckles from the former UFC chucklehead, it was the Romanian police department that had the last laugh. Because it turns out they had been looking for Andrew and his gang of flaccid incels for quite a while, but they couldn't quite place them in Romania. That is, not until Andrew's Twitter tantrum and home movie premiere gave them the clue that they so desperately needed. In a daring move that can only be described as his own damn fault, Andrew Tate's pizza box burn quickly morphed into a GPS locator because those pizza boxes happened to be from Jerry's Pizza, a very popular Romanian chain restaurant. Now, impotent Andy's home is right around the corner from that pizza place, so the Romanian police recognize the room in the home movie, and the rest, my friends, is mugshots and human trafficking charges. But while we're on the subject of outing yourself while defending yourself professional resume embellisher, and newly elected Republican George Santos is doubling down on getting caught with his pants on fire. Roll tape. In a recent interview, Santos admitted that he misrepresented several parts of his resume while on the campaign trail. Santos confessed to what he called embellishing his resume. Incoming Republican Congressman George Santos did not graduate from college. He did not work at Citigroup, and he did not work for Goldman Sachs, despite his resume saying that he did. But there's more. He falsely claimed that his grandparents survived the Holocaust. He also falsely claimed that he ran a non nonprofit, and another falsehood that he owned 13 properties. He also admitted that the Pulse nightclub shooting victims never worked for him like he claimed that they had. This barely sentient web of pathological lies that is New York's third congressional district Republican elect is now trying to tell us that his laughably moronic attempt at gaslighting his parents' escape from Nazis fanfiction saga was actually a joke that we didn't get. Santos claims that he isn't Jewish in the actual sense of the word because he was raised Catholic, but rather he is Jew-ish because his grandparents converted after the harrowing journey to safety that Santos also admits never happened. And for those of you in the back, let me take this opportunity to remind you That being Jew-ish isn't a thing. Just because I have unprotected sex with my Scots-Irish boyfriend doesn't make me scots Irish. ish And another thing, out of all of the things this waking multiple identity disorder had to say on his gaslighting apology tour, this happens to be the comment that I believe will not age well. Did I embellish my resume? Yes, I did.
1: And I'm sorry. And it shouldn't be done. I'm still the same guy. I'm not a fraud.
0: I'm not a cartoon character. I'm not some mythical creature that was invented. I'm no Russian puppet. This will not deter me from being an effective member of the United States Congress. All right. I'm going to have to stop you right there because you're making oddly specific claims about what you are and what you aren't. And as far as that garbage about you not being a criminal, well, it looks like state and federal prosecutors may determine that that is a lie. Santos denied
1: reporting from the New York Times that he has unresolved criminal charges in Brazil. Questions were also raised about a tax-exempt animal rescue group Santos claims to run. According to the Times, the IRS has no record of a charity by its name and how he managed to lend
0: $700,000 to his congressional campaign, to which he responded.
1: That is the money of that i paid myself through my company.
0: Okay, that's a great place to start. First off, folks, we can't be sure that George Santos is George Santos. According to the Daily Beast, he used to use the name George DeVolder. That is also the name of the company, George DeVolder Organization, which lent the George Santos campaign over $700,000 of mystery money. And that is because nobody knows where George DeVolder, George Santos, or the DeVolder Organization got it from. In 2015, he used the name Anthony Zabrowski in connection with a money-raising effort for a fake animal rescue charity that he founded, telling patrons on Twitter to make donations directly to Zabrowski. And it may not come as a shock, but Liar McLyingface is still a suspect in a check fraud scheme committed in Brazil. As the story goes, George Santos was George DeVolder when he apparently fled Brazil to avoid answering for a missing checkbook and fraudulent checks written on an account of an elderly client of George Santos DeVolder, whoever's mom. It was his mother's client. And it might be worth nothing here, but Santos listed the house in Brazil that he fled as his home address on his campaign application to become a member of the U.S. House of Representatives. Oh, and there's also that little issue of $32,800 in campaign donations Santos accepted from a Mr. Andrew Intrader. And that's important because Intrader works for Sparrow Capital, an investment firm whose sole purpose in life is to manage Intraders' cousins' investments. And why am I telling you this? That's because Intraders' cousin is one of Vladimir Putin's favorite oligarchs, Viktor Viskelberg, which makes Republican George Santos a Russian puppet member of the House of Representatives. Now, in case George or any other Republican needs to know this, apparently campaign donations from foreign agents and their countries are still illegal uh, you know, in the United States, according to the FEC. You can look it up. Which is why Georgie's claim that he isn't a criminal probably won't age well after this is completed. Congressman-elect George Santos is now under federal investigation. A law enforcement source confirms federal prosecutors from the Eastern
1: District of New York are looking into Santos's finances. State Attorney General Letitia James announced Thursday that she is opening an investigation into his alleged fabrications. The Republican District Attorney of Nassau County says she's looking into whether any of those fabrications amounted to crimes. And federal prosecutors are also looking into Santos's financial disclosures.
0: I don't know much. But I do know that George Anthony Zabrowski-Devolder Santos is making a name for himself, and he hasn't even been sworn into the U.S. Congress yet. Oh, I wonder how long he'll last, whoever he is. And speaking of a gift that keeps on giving— The January 6th committee has come through for Christmas and released more transcripts of testimony they took during their investigation. One exchange between committee member Liz Cheney and Cassidy Hutchinson, former aide to Trump's White House chief of staff, Mark Meadows, caught my attention for all the wrong reasons.
1: Quote, Liz Cheney, did you see Mr. Meadows put documents in his fireplace? Cassidy Hutchinson yes ma'am miss cheney and do you know what the documents were hutchinson replies i don't know liz cheney how frequently did you see him do this miss hutchinson i mean it's hard i want to say once a week or twice it's i can recall specific times that i did maybe a dozen maybe just over a dozen but this is over a period December through mid-January. Cassidy Hutchinson does go on to describe several instances in which Meadows burned documents right after meeting with Pennsylvania Republican Congressman Scott Perry, Trump ally who reportedly sought a pardon from Trump for his role in trying to overturn the election. Quote, Ms. Hutchinson, quote, I know between two and four times Meadows had had Mr. Perry in his office right before burning the documents. Ms. Cheney, Do you know what Mr. Perry was talking to him about? Ms. Hutchinson, election issues. Liz Cheney, anything more specific than that? Cassidy Hutchinson, quote, the vice president's role on January 6th.
0: Okay, I don't know this for a fact, but I know it's true that the White House pays their electric bill during the winter season and their offices are kept quite warm. And I don't know about you, but... This reminds me of when this same woman, Cassidy Hutchinson, recounted multiple times that the White House staff had to piece back together documents that the sentient circus peanut tore up and then threw on the floor. And then we heard about how this Trump Tower trash panda flushed documents down the toilet. So is it is isn't any wonder that his chief of staff is burning them. Seems appropriate considering Dolt 45 was interested in an Oprah style pardon party for anyone who had a hand at all in the planning or the implementation of January 6th. Now, luckily, his harebrained scheme got lost in translation as time went on, but my friends, that's not the only stupid idea coming out of this idiot. Apparently, The march to the coup on January 6th was supposed to be followed by a military procession.
1: One of the revelations that we're learning from the final report that was published by the January 6th committee was that leading up to January 6th, Donald Trump had floated the idea to some of his closest advisors that on January 6th, he wanted a procession to be escorted military coup style by 10,000 National Guard soldiers into the Capitol building.
0: Well, if there is a silver lining in this at all, in about 15, 20 years, we will be watching the Oliver Stone directed Lifetime movie version of this story because let's face it, folks, it's caught it all. A coup that ultimately failed, but the shenanigans that took place to get there and have it go on as long as it did, that is a story that captivates and also repulses at the same time. It's very confusing. But the best part of it so far is Marlardo is threatening a Cartman-style revolt if he is not crowned the Republican nominee for president in 2024. The Florida retiree says that he himself can do it. That is, start a third party and run independently, which is an awesome idea for so many reasons. Number one... It would split the GOP's voting base and give a Democrat a better chance at winning. Yay! Number two, it will separate the maggots from the rest of the Republican Party, which will make it easier to identify them amongst your neighbors, coworkers, whatnot. And number three, well, I haven't thought about a number three, but I'm sure that there is one out there and I've got plenty of time to figure it out. And that's about all I can say about that. New episodes of This Week Again will air every Sunday. And follow the show on social media to keep up with our latest posts. This Week Again can be found now on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google and Samsung Podcasts, or pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts. And to dur for now.